Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Today's episode is sponsored by Firebee Honey. If you are looking for something unique and absolutely delicious, then look no further because I am about to tell you about my latest obsession, Firebee Honey. Firebee Honey is honey with a kick and the perfect ratio of sweet and heat. This honey is handcrafted in small batches to transform the flavor of raw honey without compromising its amazing health benefits, which is what makes it stand out from traditional hot sauces. They use the perfect blend of flavors so even non-spicy lovers can enjoy. We use honey a ton in our house, but wanted to spice things up with a little more flavor. And let me tell you, this stuff is a game changer for sure. My son and I are big chicken nugget people and honey is our go-to dipping sauce. But recently we switched up our traditional honey for fire bee honey. And let me tell you, I may never go back. Not only is it delicious, but there are no added sugars or nasty preservatives. So I feel really good about feeding it to my family. And if a kick isn't your thing, fire Firebee has flavors like cinnamon, vanilla, elderberry, and chocolate that would be perfect for baking or a fancy cup of tea and other items like spicy honey beef jerky and spicy honey barbecue sauce, which my husband promptly took and made the most amazing pulled pork sandwiches with. So if you are ready to spice up your meals and enjoy some flavor while still reaping the benefits of raw honey, then Fire Bee is the place for you. Get 15% off your purchase when you order two or more bottles by using the link www.firebeehoney.com slash morning cup of murder. That's www.firebeehoney.com slash morning cup of murder for 15% off the purchase of two or more bottles of Fire Bee Honey. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Family means everything, and for most, there isn't much you wouldn't do to help out a family member in need. But where do you draw the line? On March 19, 1984, a young girl who would do anything for her father took on a horrific task to prove her love for him. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On the evening of March 19, 1985, a man named David Brown left his Garden Grove, California home to drive around town in hopes of lulling himself to sleep. He had insomnia and, not wanting to keep his wife and new baby awake, figured a midnight drive would do him some good. But when he pulled back into his driveway, he was met with his hysterical sister-in-law, Patty, who had some horrible news. 
she screamed at him to call 911, telling him that her 23-year-old sister, Linda Brown, his wife, was lying dead inside. When detectives arrived, they found the body lying in her bed with two gunshot blasts to her chest. Thankfully, Patty and the couple's baby were left unharmed. While police walked through the home, David and Patty insisted that they knew who the killer was. David's daughter from a previous marriage, Cinnamon Brown. According to their story, Cinnamon was not mentally well and had a habit of flying off the handle and speaking with imaginary friends. That one of the reasons David left that night was that he was tired of the continual bickering between his wife and daughter and that it was well known that Cinnamon was not Linda's biggest fan. Patty said that while Linda lay asleep in her bed, Cinnamon went into the room and leveled the gun at her chest. The problem was, no one knew where Cinnamon was. Hours later, as detectives began searching the residence, they finally laid eyes on a strange figure curled into the corner of the outdoor doghouse. When they looked inside, they saw 14-year-old Cinnamon Brown lying semi-conscious in her own urine and vomit, having ingested a handful of prescription drugs. Clutched in her hand was a note that said, Dear God, please forgive me. I didn't mean to hurt her. To investigators, it seemed like a pretty open and shut case. Familial tensions had, it seemed, boiled over, and a young girl with a mental illness took out her hatred on her stepmother. Cinnamon Brown was arrested, and at her trial, her lawyers attempted to use the insanity defense, but a judge wasn't too keen on giving her any leeway, and the teen was sentenced to 27 years to life in a reformatory. And that would have been the end of the story had it not been for an investigator at the district attorney's office who thought there was something a little off about an otherwise harmless teenage girl brutally killing her stepmother. The suicide note seemed fake, and Cinnamon, days after the murder, claimed she had no recollection of the attack. It all just seemed too convenient. So Jay Newell started digging, and when he did he started to find inconsistencies that created a very different narrative. Things like the gun residue, which was found on Patty Brown's hand instead of Cinnamon's. But this only raised some more questions, like why would Patty want to kill her sister? And how did David, who cashed in an almost $1 million policy after Linda's death, figure into this whole story? David, who was now married to Patty Bailey, his dead wife's little sister and living a pretty lavish life in Anaheim Hills and had nothing to do with his young daughter, who sat alone in a reformatory and knew nothing of his new life. So Jay shifted his focus and began working the case with David as its prime suspect. David Brown was in the technology world and had a thriving business that masked a lot of issues in his personal life. He always seemed to be suffering from some medical ailment, but didn't let that stop him from taking six trips down the aisle with five different women. He met Linda, whom he married twice, when he was living next to the Bailey family where she lived with her single mother and 10 siblings. Wanting to keep company with the beautiful young woman next door, David faked having cancer and asked if the girls could come over and start taking care of him. He and Linda fell madly in love, and her mother willingly let her much younger daughter marry the successful businessman. Together, between a divorce and a remarriage, they moved to the Garden Grove neighborhood in Orange County, and Linda gave birth to the couple's first child together, Crystal. Shortly after Crystal was born, Patty Bailey, Linda's troubled little sister, came to live with them, followed quickly by David's daughter, Cinnamon, 
who was having trouble with her mother. The house became pretty crowded pretty quickly, but from the outside looking in, the Browns were a shining example of a blended family. Behind closed doors, David was a manipulative man who had convinced Patty that their budding sexual relationship, despite her young age, was a beautiful and special relationship. He also began to weave stories to the teen girls, stating that Linda and her twin brother were out to kill him for his money, and to avoid this, they would have to eliminate the enemy. But of course, with all of his illnesses, he was much too frail to complete the act himself. So instead, he told the teenage girls that if they really loved him and wanted to protect him, they would have to take out Linda themselves. Because even if they did get caught, their young age would allow them to only serve a short prison sentence, if any at all. Together, this man and two teenage girls planned the murder of a young mother, a wife, and a sister. In 1988, with most of his information collected, Jay Newell visited Cinnamon like he had done so many times and delivered a blow that she couldn't quite handle. He told her about her father's new life, how he married Patty, and how he was living a lavish lifestyle on the money he received from that murder. And with a clear mind and the gift of hindsight, Cinnamon finally revealed the secret that she had been guarding for years that she acted upon her father's wishes after he used his love to manipulate her. Police wanted to nail her father for the role he played in the murder, so Cinnamon begged him to visit her in the reformatory. They listened as he made several statements that quickly earned not just his arrest, but Patty's as well, who was placed in the same prison as her former sister-in-law turned stepdaughter. While the girls sat with the realization that they had been preyed upon by a man that they loved, David sat in prison, planning his way out. He asked a fellow inmate to help him kill not just Jay Newell, but Patty as well. That inmate went straight to the authorities. David Brown was finally brought to trial, where Patty and Cinnamon both acted as star witnesses against him. They regaled the jury with stories of manipulation, grooming, and deviance that led to Linda's death and told how, on the night of the murder, David gave Cinnamon the gun and drugged her after she refused to do the shooting herself. In 1990, David Brown was sentenced to life imprisonment with absolutely no chance of parole. He died of one of his many illnesses in March of 2014 at the age of 61. Patty Bailey pleaded guilty to her role in the murder of her sister, and spent a few years in the reformatory before being released and marrying a prison guard. And in 1992, Cinnamon, who did pull the trigger that killed Linda, was finally released, and Jay Newell helped her begin the life her father tried to take away from her. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on March 20th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon, or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.